All right, all right. After uh, uh, no, so many messages, emails, not too many tweets or Facebook messages, but a lot of except for porn accounts, I get a lot of porn <laughs> bots hitting us up on the Twitter. But a lot of private, but actually real life people have definitely been reaching out to us about, hey, when's the next podcast? Hey, why'd you guys take such a long break? So due to the outrageous number of, of fan outpour, we have decided that that we owe you guys an episode, and here we are. You are listening to Own Goal Podcast, episode 22. The date of recording is December 3rd. But first... To the byline. It's in, it's an own goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. He's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner, bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his calf. Before we get started and kind of recapping what's happened in the soccer world, we got some big news stories or interesting news stories from the soccer world. First of all, FIFA, the governing body in charge of controlling the greatest sport in the world, is doing everything they can to ruining it. Ruining it. Uh, lately, latest suggestion, what is it? Make the World Cup every two years. I cannot even explain how much I fucking hate this. How would that even work? Would they get rid what? of the Euro? Well, I guess that would be a whole UEFA FIFA thing, first of all. But is it, is uh, it UEFA they, part they would, of no, They would FIFA? alternate summers with the Euro. Oh, like, like how um, the Olympics alternates summer. Alternates like every... So, right, it would literally be a Euro. Well, the Euro's every f- four years, though. Yeah, but well, it's but it's it's you have uh, the World Cup, and then two years after the World Cup, you have the Euro, and then two years after the yes. Euro, you have the World Cup. Yes. So instead, it would be one year, one year, one year, one year. Yeah, uh, that would literally ruin the World Cup to have it every two years. The beauty of the World Cup is that so much in your life happens in those four years. And they're so rare, and that's honestly what gives it value. It's like basic economics. If yeah. you have, if you pump in more money into the economy, you get inflation. This is going to inflate the value of the World Cup. This is fucking stupid. It's a greedy, money grubbing move, and I fucking hate it. Like the beauty of the World Cup is exactly it's in its scarcity. It's in the fact that the next time the USA, you know, last time USA played in the World Cup, I was in college, and the next time USA plays in the World Cup, I might be fucking bald. Who knows? In the last World Cup, I was in college. And the one after that, I graduated college and law school. Like, so much in yeah, my but, life but changed. you weren't even in – but the U.S. wasn't in that World Cup. Oh, so yeah, that's like, 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 so I'm saying the fact that it's not even a given, but if it's in every – Wait, are you, wor- are you worried that you're going to go bald? Is that something that you're, like, you're seriously I concerned about? I literally have that recurring nightmare at least once a month. And you know, I'll still be your friend if you're bald, right? I, I won't love you I, less. I, I think I think you'd like me more because you would feel superior to me. That's true. I immediately know that I'm superior to all bald men except for two, Jason Statham and Vin Diesel. <laughs> because they could beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, though, like a lot of people can beat the shit out of you. <laughs> but um, regardless, of all jokes aside, this is a horrible fucking idea. And this has got to be just that kind of bullshit, the thing that's talked about, but doesn't actually happen. I can't imagine... Actually, now that I think about it, all it is is a giant money grab, so I could imagine all of the uh, 
But wait, Eric, there's more from FIFA. Are you ready for this one? There, we haven't even played the tournament with 48 teams. Oh, and we're already talking about expanding it to more of 64. What are, what are we going to – oh, my God. Like, at that point, do you even qualify? You, just you know what? You know what? If it's a tournament of 64, I said we go full fucking March Madness and we seed them 1 through 64 and we do a pure bracket and just let them hash it the fuck out. If you okay. want, if you want to bastardize a tournament, if, let's go. Let's go full bore in this, baby. I will say this: if like I, I do not support it going to forty eight, and I don't, I wouldn't want it to go to sixty four. But if we did go to sixty four, I do kind of like the March Madness idea. I will say that. Yeah, because like you're, you're, but, you're, but I would like the World Cup to stay exactly how it is now before any of that. Hey, Donnie, you gotta wake up out of La La Land, man. The World Cup's not staying where it is when there's more money that can be made. Which also means our bracket of 64 is not gonna happen because that's like half as many games. True. Um, so, <laughs> interesting enough, we've talked about recently on the podcast how John Terry and Didier Drogba both retired, even though we all kind of thought they were already retired, and now a third Chelsea player... <laughs> We thought retired. And this this one I was pretty sure had retired well before the other two. This one makes no sense. How is Joe Cole now officially retiring from soccer? Which last played a fucking game? But like, I'm also like, this has never been confirmed. But I'm 99 percent sure John Terry fucked his wife. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so Joe Cole has also officially retired from uh, soccer, and I'm just waiting to. I think like every like month we'll just get a new Chelsea player like maybe ones that are like actually legally dead who will from the grave say that they're now retiring I think next I think next next week we're gonna find out that Jose Jose Mourinho is no longer the manager of Chelsea uh he's definitely not the manager of Manchester United <laughs> if you look at what it's like um and the I don't old, the, really know how to intro this next segment you but know I think I think you just gotta just go. Just so, jump right into it. Lord Bettner is going to jail. Nicholas Bettner is uh, going to jail. He argued over a taxi driver. I'm assuming it's Uber because nobody takes a fucking taxi anymore. But I don't know how. Maybe Uber doesn't like. I don't know. I don't know about Europe. But he got into an argument over a with a driver over a three euro and forty five euro cent. You know, tax, Donnie, like I really, bucks. I really appreciate you converting that to dollars on on our uh, our script. That really, really helps me conceptualize the uh, the currency value there. And he punched the Uber driver in the face. Like just <laughs> <laughs> like socked him. Bettner's going to jail for fifty days. No joke. Do you think he's going to like jail, jail, or like where they send white collar criminals in America, jail? Let me put it like this way. Tennis court. I'm saying that if he wants a girl to come to his jail cell and blow him, it'll probably happen. So that kind of jail. Like, he'll be signing autographs, right? Well, where is he going to jail? Denmark? I have no idea. You assume that I did much background research on this other than the basic... I don't know the details of his jail, but hey, do you think like while he's in jail, it would be a good time to interview him for the podcast? Yeah, I really don't think he has much of, that much else going on. I I'm just thinking about this. Kevin Gates like produces four... Banging rap albums while in prison, so it's like, like we can make this happen. It's important to note that we do not mean Kevin Gates, my brother. We mean the other Kevin Gates. Uh, the identity—I I don't know. I have never met either of them somehow. My so brother has been way less productive. The same person. My brother has been way less productive from behind bars. Um, also, I think it's important to note that after a couple of years ago having a little verbal spat in the media 
against each other, Lord Bittner and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Ibrahimovic is clearly the winner and has come out on top in life. Yeah, Ibrahimovic isn't in jail over a $5 Uber. And he's still relevant in soccer, too. Well, as relevant as you can be in the MLS, but sure. Well, there's, there are links to him coming back to, to Milan, so I think that gives him some relevancy. That would be pretty dope. I'm, I'm on board with that. Um, speaking you, of semi-relevant, the UEFA Nation <laughs> League semifinals are all set. Uh, Portugal will be playing Switzerland in one semifinal, and England will be playing the Netherlands in the other for a tournament that is set to take place in Portugal over the summer. So I have to come clean. A while back, you had sent me like uh, the cliff notes on why the, the this Nations League is, is relevant or has stakes. And I definitely just skimmed over what you sent me and thought you it meant like the winner of this tournament automatically qualifies for Euro. And now you're telling me that that's actually not even close to what this is? No, this is just like its own tournament. So the way the Euro qualifying will work is that the top two teams from the qualifying groups qualify. Yeah, as, and as then always. they create some sort of playoff based on League of Nations performance for the other four spots. I don't really... So why, very couldn't, why, why can't they just do what they've always done and had a play-in game from those third-place teams? Eric, they're trying to make more money, apparently. I don't know. You know what? If there was ever a time for like the proletariat to rise up and, and destroy capitalism, whoa, 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 yeah, buddy. When you start making money, you don't think that way anymore. <laughs> I'm only talking about in the soccer world. Oh, okay, yeah, because those guys who make millions of dollars really want the proletariat to rise up. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't want a 64 team World Cup every two years. I don't really care about this League of Nations thing. It's it's great. Uh, Woodrow Wilson be real proud. Yeah. For our international listeners, he was a president of the United States. Who created a toothless international agency called the League of Nations. It was basically like the Diet Diet UN, because the Diet U because the UN is already like a diet UN. <laughs> and there's, anyway, and there's not, a, international politics enough for one day. Yeah, yeah. Well I'm sure we'll loop back eventually. Uh, speaking of international, Sergio Ramos, a.k.a. the most villainous man in the world, a.k.a. the, the name partner of Ramos y Maz, uh, virginity, <laughs> virginity brokerage partners, firm, yeah. is in hot fucking water. Apparently, according to football leaks, which is like these series of leaks that have been semi-credible so far coming out lately, Yo, it's, like, do- it's like WikiLeaks, but for soccer. That's the best way so I can describe it. So my question for you is, do we think football leaks is linked to the Russians? I think everything is linked to the Russians. Okay, I, I, I think the Russians are leaking this. Uh, I think one of us is a Putin spy, and it's not me, and I think it's you. It's definitely the guy that's really all about trying to get in with the Putin oligarchy, which 100% is the guy that wants to make more money, which is not me. We'll talk about this later. Yeah. Uh, but Sergio Ramos failed a doping test, a, a uh, drug test after the 2017 Champions League final. He also failed one this year back in uh, March... And he obviously vehemently denied it. Real Madrid have strongly denied it, but, but what do you think? That's a tough luck, man. I mean, we need to see the test results. Yeah, I actually think the I think see I think if you're going to deny like using performance enhancements, the, what you should do if you truly are didn't do it, just fucking pee in a cup and then like produce the test results for everyone to see. Why wouldn't you just do that? Yeah, because you're fucking guilty. Yeah. But I just also, like, when I look at him, I just don't think he's big enough to be on steroids or HGH. So that must be, like, some other substance that's banned yeah. that he's on. Because he's just not big enough for that stuff. What if he's blood doping? 
Oh, what's wrong with that? It's illegal. Is it like illegal or is it against the rules of the sport? Against the rules of the sport, correct. You're right. Now, I think it is illegal to compete under – to break the rules of the sport. I guess maybe it could be blood doping. That would actually – to would me, explain, blood doping that, makes the most sense for That would soccer. explain for how he and, – and, and like the way he plays and, and the way it would <laughs> impact his body, right? It's not like a physical transformation. It's just that he can – you know, his, his red blood cells obtain a higher percentage of oxygen. Yeah, I'm actually really interested to see how this kind of plays out, and I'm going to be keeping an eye on this one. I know a lot of people – hate Sergio Ramos with a passion. I've more or less been a Ramos apologist because I yeah. think he's really aggressively and I like that. But and I think and I and I, I like villains in the sport. I if, like villains in sports. If if this comes out to be act you know, is, is ends up being actually true, it really doesn't shrink him as a master of the dark arts. Yeah, and it definitely confirms that he sells with buys and sells virginities yeah. too. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And with that, we lead to our definitely our favorite segment, Hot Guy of the Week. This has got to be our our, our listeners' favorite segment as well. And uh, my Hot Guy of the Week uh, actually had a really, really great midweek Champions League performance. Maxwell Cormet, the uh, Lyon striker who put two past Man City. They're the only team to put two past Man City, so he's the only man to ever put two past Man City this season. Yeah, and I mean, they grabbed the lead, City tied it, and then he got them the lead again, and City tied it. And that's a, a massive uh, point for Lyon, who's still fighting for Champions League qualification into the round of 16. So my hot guy of the week is, um, he was a little bit more relevant last week, and then during the international break, but actually... AC, former AC Milan player Andre Silva is my hot guy of the week. Dude, he uh, is really scored bad. to secure Portugal going to the semifinals for the UEFA League of Nations, and then also like last week scored for Sevilla to make them top of the table. Now they're second; they're only a point behind, but scored a huge goal for Sevilla as his, well. And he's his, been killing his it. His Portugal goal was a saucy, saucy free kick, and he is a saucy, saucy looking man. Yeah, yeah. In, ter- in terms of hotness, just like. It's he's, a, a, he's a good looking dude. It's a shame that uh, yeah, tall, dark, and handsome. He's a tall. He's I've, a tall I've also I've I've heard it reported that uh, from anonymous sources that Cristiano Ronaldo is quite jealous of the size of uh, Andre Silva's uh, peen, but I have nothing official on that. Are you are these anonymous sources that you're making up, or have you actually heard this? No, I'm definitely making okay. it up. <laughs> okay. hey, but doesn't it sound like a very believable story? It does. Well, no, I, I don't believe that because I don't I believe if Ronaldo wasn't confident in the size of his rank, he, unlike Buffon and Danny Alves, wouldn't shower with people to let them see it. And he mm. would control the narrative that like nobody would ever think that about him mm. because he is a master of his public perception. Yeah, I mean, he, and to be fair, like that's how he makes his money is, is he, he himself is his brand. Yeah. All right. Well, that was another edition of Hot Guy of the Week. If you're if you're listening, Andre Silva or Maxwell, whatever the fuck your last name is, Eric, want to help me Cormet. there? Cormet, Cormet. I don't know if it's French or not, but if you guys are listening, uh, contact us on via Twitter, and please feel free to get your uh, Hot Guy of the Week trophy that we have waiting for you. We will be sending out T-shirts if you if you contact us. And with that, shall we do aptitude test? Aptitude test, which is probably our, I think, our, our second best skit of the of the show, and it's also just arts only second only skit of the show. So, for those of you who may be listening to the first time, uh, aptitude test is where, or you, you just know, have a really shit aptitude score yourself. 
uh, where we say like, you know, if this player didn't wouldn't you know didn't play soccer, what would he do? So it'd be like, for example, Peter Crouch, virgin. Antonio Cassano, criminal. Yeah, you kind of get the idea. Sergio so, Ramos, uh, broke virginity broker. Yeah, and apparently failing uh, blood, <laughs> blood test and, and as possi- well. Possibly uh, a, teacher. Te- a teacher of the dark arts at, at the reformed Hogwarts school when the Death Eaters took it over. Uh, God, I just yeah. knew he was going to get a Harry Potter reference <laughs> in there somehow. Deep cuts, baby. Um, all right, so Eric, if he didn't play soccer, what would Ronaldinho do? Ooh. I'm kind of thinking like all I all I can picture him completely like not involved with soccer is like during carnival he is is like leading the celebrations and the parades a lot of dancing a lot of booze in the streets of Brazil I see something very similar. I actually see him as one of those like fire dancers who dances with fire sticks yes. and then breathes out the fire. Yes, because not only is he dancing with fire sticks and like like you know he's got the movement and the rhythm, he's ingesting a lot of alcohol to be able to spit fire out. That's like a pivotal part. You know, as good as he was, imagine how good, bad, much better he would have been if he never if drank. He didn't, yeah, just nuts. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I, well I, I like that one. I like that a lot. Okay. Uh, for me, if he wasn't a soccer player, what would Andy Carroll be? <laughs> so, if he wasn't a soccer player, Andy Carroll would definitely work at, like, a pub in England. He would, but he wouldn't be the bartender. He would be the guy frying up the food in the back, wearing a massive hairnet over his mane. <laughs> So, yeah, he's a fry cook if he's not a soccer player. My answer to it is I took a much cheaper answer. That's a fantastic one. Uh, if Andy Carroll wasn't a soccer player, he'd be happy. Oh, yeah. He because hates he, hates, he hates soccer. <laughs> so I think he'd just be happy doing literally anything else with his life. Yeah, but, I mean, it does pay well, I've heard. And that's exactly why he does it. It pays well, and, and I think he said that women like him more. Yeah, I mean, he's he, he, let's, let's put it this way. No matter what Andy Carroll does on the field, it would be a stretch for me to ever make him a hot guy of the week. And you know I love him. <laughs> um, with all Now all the fun and games aside, we must get to a much more serious and sombering topic. And that is the state of U.S. soccer. When we last left, we were preparing for friendlies against England and Italy. And one of those really went much poorly than the other, but neither but of them went well. Neither went well, and shit, we really did. We, we really were off for, for a while if we haven't spoke since the friendlies. That, that's my bad. Um, that England-USA 3 nothing game was just not fun to watch. It was like, let's say what I've said with the USA all along, like England knew... What they were doing, they were well coached. They had a game plan. They executed perfectly. USA just does. It just looks like eleven guys in a pickup game. Here's well, and I one hundred percent. And where that was really evident to me was whenever we would get the ball on defense, like obviously not not from a goal kick or out of bounds, but when we would intercept the pass or or just kind of you know grab the ball, we didn't have a plan of action for breaking the that initial high press to maintain possession or counterattack. 
it was literally an immediate boot to midfield where the five England players would pick the ball and send it right back to our to our defensive third. We had no cohesive plan of how to break an immediate press when change of possession occurred. And and that's been the case for all the you know all of the competition that we've played above the level of CONCACAF, that's been the case in, in you know, this last year. And our uh- you know, I I have vaunted how that like our 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 center backs are our, like strongest position, but I remember texting you after that game. Not so sure three in the back is a good idea because our boys were worked. Um, I will say, man, Christian Pulisic had that one on one chance there with uh, Pickford. He puts that away before any goals scored. Who knows what's going to happen? But I mean, soccer is literally about moments, and we didn't capitalize on that moment. Next thing you know, we get hit for some goals and. By the way, Jesse Lingard, I do have to give one of my manual boys that a shout a out. Banger. Absolute banger. Here's here's I thought it was a shame Pulisic couldn't slot that that one on one chance. He did a great job to create it and, and be in that position. Um but I honestly believe even if he had slotted that, we still lose this game like three one. Yeah. I know you, no, I know I you mean, can't probably, you can't say probably. that for sure, but when England turned it on when they're like, oh, we need to score, they just turned it on like that. Oh, yeah. And uh, big shout-out to Man U and England legend Wayne Rooney. It was his testimonial, and he looked sharp out there. He did. He was getting good touches, and uh, it just it looked like the occasion was too much for the players. They didn't have any game plan. They couldn't handle a press. They couldn't keep the ball. They couldn't do a whole lot. Yeah. But I will say kudos to Pulisic for being the youngest player to captain the U.S. team in the modern era. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Um, I mean, Should we switch gears to the to the uh, land of the tortellini? Also, there's a fucking guy on Italy whose last name is literally lasagna. So when I when I do these transitions and I talk about Italian food, I don't want to fucking hear it anymore. His the starting striker's name was literally lasagna. That was his actual fucking name. I know he was an attacking mid though, not the striker. Well, whatever the fuck, fuck he was. He was lasagna. Yeah, yeah, I know. And this was. This one was tough too because this was like a BC squad for Italy. Yeah, yeah, and I mean I know we didn't have like you know we didn't have much experience in our roster, uh, a lot of young guys. And, and, and Ethan Horvath had a hell of a game too that game. And, well, that's, that's, that's actually what I was building up to is you know it was a, it was zero zero until like the dime you know minutes of the game. Horvath, though, is the only reason it was 0-0 for so long. Yeah, he's actually a really exciting prospect. He was the one... He was honestly one of the very few positives I took out of these two friendlies, his performance. He was struggling, I think, most of last year uh, after making that move to Club Bruges in in Belgium. But he's actually done a really good job of fighting his way back this season. He's been logging some uh, Champions League minutes for the club, which is fucking awesome. So he really played played well for himself, and I was really happy to see that. Unfortunately, we just didn't have much more to look at, and it's. It, I think this is the perfect time to just really skip over that game and go into we have a new manager. Yeah, uh, Eric pretty much nailed this one on the head about a year ago. It's former Columbus crew manager Greg Berhalter. Uh, someone tweeted at me. A friend from uh, a friend tweeted at me. How should I feel about this? And I said, "Not good." But here's hoping I'm wrong, and that's how I feel. Yeah, we obviously want to take a minute to address the fact yeah. that 
we've been lamenting the inevitability of a Burhalter-esque appointment for the better part of, of, I don't know, of a year. And nobody wishes more than us that we're dead wrong on this. Oh, absolutely. I want us to, I want him to like, like win five world cups and clown us. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what he does? He does that. And I will film, I will burn my computer. (laughs) If he he gets us to the semifinal of a world cup. All right. If he gets us to the semifinal of a world cup, I'll burn my computer. If he, if he wins, um, if he wins a world cup, I will burn my computer while filming that like apology regret tape naked. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if he wins the semifinals, I'll donate five grand to any charity of Eric's choice. If he wins the World <laughs> Cup, I'll donate ten grand to any charity of Eric's choice. Oh man, <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, that would be awesome. Your no, idea, yeah, I would love to donate. Your idea was way, your idea was way better Cup. than mine. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Eric's gonna pick some bullshit charity like help Eric Gates. <laughs> charity, I'm gonna be like Eric. Are you sure I'm not just writing your check, buddy? It doesn't sound like a charity anymore. Oh, you're gonna make it out to cash? Um, <laughs> no. And what what is? I mean, one thing that Berhalter has said is he really wants to uh, bring in and develop an attacking possession based style of soccer, which would be really exciting to see. But also hearing a quotes like that really pisses me off that we're announcing him now and not a year ago because I don't care how – I don't want to see us do dominating possession style against, you know, uh, CONCACAF opponents in the Gold Cup. Like that does nothing for me. Um, I honestly – I've told this to Eric. If we never won another Gold Cup, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really care that much if like that means we were if, if that make, meant that like for whatever reason we were that much better at the World Cup. But all, all I'm saying is he says that and then he's going to be able to use this next year to be like, see, I told you, attacking style soccer. But yeah, when, when you're playing Honduras but, in fucking California, if who gives we, a shit? if we could have made this appointment a year ago uh, when we knew the slate was going to include really difficult competitive teams in Europe, then it would be really cool to see someone try to implement attacking style soccer. So I, I'm wondering, did we reach out to Burholter a year ago? Or not? No, no, no. When we fired MLS Bruce, do you think we reached out to him then? And he was no. like, I want to wait. I think we had no fucking idea what sure? we were doing after MLS Bruce. I'm, I'm wondering if, if, if Burholter is like, talk to me in November when my season's over. Yeah, I mean, I'll say like to try to be a little bit positive. At least he's a former U.S. player, and I think he does yeah. at least bring the pride and the passion, and I can appreciate that. And I'm not going to try to, like, totally shit on it him today. So I'm like, that's, like, the one positive I'm going to pull out. But a big negative I'm going to pull out is he never was able to win the MLS. Bruce Arena was able to do that a few times, at least. That's, I mean, that's literally, that's yeah. his managerial resume. I'm going to judge him on that. Yeah, but MLS Bruce had a much more talented team with a bigger payroll in a less competitive MLS league when he won. That's fair. That's fair, but... No, you're right. You, that's a very good point. Um, I Like I said, my another worry I have with Greg Berhalter is, I mean, his boy at Columbus Crew is Will Trapp, and yeah, Will Trapp should not start for the U.S. That, national team. I can't be any clearer on that statement. Yeah. And I'm scared he's about to be the captain in like for the next eight years. And we have not two, but now three 
three midfielders in the Bundesliga. More on that in a minute. Oh, I'm so excited about that. Uh, before we do that, yeah. So we have a, a couple of uh, couple U.S. players either moving to Europe or linked with, with European moves. The first one, which was kind of a shocker for me, is Zach Steffen to Manchester City slash loaned out after that. Yeah, they're gonna. They're, it looks like they're gonna try to get a move done for him and then loan him to Nantes. So Miazga isn't so lonely. What's fucking nuts is that they're they want to spend ten million on him just to loan him out. That's the modern game, dude. That's why the one like, thing you know we talked about shitty FIFA rules earlier, but FIFA wants to announce a rule where limit the amount of players you can loan because it is ridiculous that Chelsea has Chelsea is loaning thirty nine. This is not hyperbole. This is the exact number thirty nine fucking players that's absurd yeah that that, that's bullshit and it's just the loan system is another way for these big clubs to to really uh impose their financial advantage over smaller clubs because what city's going to do they have no um no no vision to ever start stefan in a significant manchester city game uh instead what they're going to do is loan him out hope he performs well and then sell him for like 25 mil yeah, it's like flipping out. It's like it's like Property Brothers. They are, they are the be. fucking Joe Chip and JoJo of soccer. Oh God, I hate those people. But um, yeah, exactly. It's like something you see on H. It's like flipping houses, but like flipping players. Yeah, um, they, they're. I think they're going to team up with Sergio Ramos and use his uh, his his brokerage firm. Good. Uh, that's good for me. I'll get a healthy commission check uh, on that. Never, but another another move from MLS to Europe, and this one's official. Uh, it hasn't happened yet because the window's not officially open. Uh, but making the move from uh, New York Red Bulls to Red Bull Leipzig, Tyler Adams, the uh, one of the future stars of the U.S. midfield. I love it, dude. This guy is so athletic. He is such a great presence in the midfield. Him, Pulisic, McKinney are going to dominate our midfield for years to come. And a lot of times when I see a move like this, I'm concerned with what are the players' prospects for playing time. What I do really like is that, you know, last year Jesse Marsh or Marsh was uh was basically left uh Red Bull New York Red Bulls to be the assistant coach over at RB Leipzig. So I really he, he's I, gonna be pushing for him. I really think um and, and their manager made a statement about how Tyler comes in with immediate prospects of getting playing time. Obviously he's not gonna be starting or playing the first couple games he's there. But I I would be surprised if we don't see him logging significant you know at least significant sub minutes by the end of the season, and for a nineteen year old kid that's pretty dope. Yeah, and uh, Pulisic looks like he's going to be moving out of the Bundesliga to the Premier League. Right now, it seems to be Chelsea's to be the one who's making the most negotiations. Reports are that Pulisic met with the Dortmund officials and uh, let them know that he would like a move. And I guess there the the rumors are that he has said he would prefer to move to Liverpool. Yeah, and I've heard that uh, Manu are apparently trying to throw themselves in the uh, Pulisic chase. I would, for multiple reasons, would prefer really any team in the Premier League over Liverpool. Yes, I think for multiple reasons. For yes, you you have your dislike of Liverpool. I have my Champions League dislike of Liverpool. I also know that Liverpool is absurdly stacked. On the on the offensive side, especially on like the you know attacking mid slash winger positions that Pulisic has operated, and I think Chelsea has a bevy of left wingers, but they're pretty 
bereft at, at right wingers, which would be a good spot for Pulisic. Maybe, Plus, I think Sari would be huge for his yeah, development. I would actually love to see what Sari could do. It seems like like Sari is actually really keen on Pulisic, which really excites me. Uh, he has a way of seeing things in players and knowing how to get what he sees out of them. I gotta be honest, I'm concerned about the United. I think that could be a lot of pressure for somebody who's not quite there. I don't know if I see him consistently getting playing time over the players that are at United right now. Um, like, who does he push out? As someone who is on the record saying that every player at Manchester United except for Luke Shaw and David De Gea should be sold, uh, we'll agree to disagree on that one. Uh, Rashford has missed 13 one-on-one, so yeah, I have no problem him starting over Rashford from the get-go. Damn. You can't miss 13 one I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. You can't miss 13 one No matter how much I love you, no matter if you come to the youth system, it's a results business, and you cannot miss 13 one-on-ones. All right. But hey, some great news for the U.S. We uh, back-to-back under-20 CONCACAF Champions League winners, baby. That's actually pretty cool, uh, especially yeah, when... The, the, the man of the tournament, man of the match, Greg Soto, trying to slide into his DMs. <laughs> He's like a 19-year-old kid uh, to, uh, to get him on the pod. He did not respond. Um, probably because well, I'm a 25-year-old man. Um, also, when you think about the fact that that team could have called up the likes of Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, and didn't, and was still able to be back-to-back, that's pretty cool. And the year before... Also, guess the scoreline oh, so, that we so, beat Mexico. Sergeant, uh, Dos Hacero. Dos Hacero. <laughs> uh, that, that's pretty sweet. Um, also, interesting news... I think it was last week, two weeks ago now, because, you know, we missed a few weeks. Um, while Weston McKinney hadn't uh, suited up for Shaka after the national break because of an injury, uh, KG Wright, Wright, who is a name that I don't think we've actually mentioned before. Oh, wow. I, I, I thought it was a K. It's an H. Haji Wright is a, an American soccer player at at Shaka, and he suited up for a match day 18 over uh, two weeks ago. Oh, it's badass. Which is pretty cool. So, a mixed bag with the U.S. I think in terms of the player pool, we're really excited. Maybe we're not so keen on Greg Berhalter, but, you know, at least he's bringing the enthusiasm, the passion, and he knows what it's like to wear the jersey, so I'll give him that. And though I don't think it's going to be what we want, uh, here's hoping for the best. Hey, it can't be worse than what we had, right? That's so true. Cannot be worse than MLS Bruce. Please oh. don't be worse. Greg, Greggy B, please do not be worse than MLS Bruce. Please. Greggy baby, don't do us like that. To be fair, though, should we start calling him MLS Greg? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. We'll see. <laughs> Shit. Uh, All right. Moving, let's go to the Moving on games. now back to the leagues. Um, Premier League action. It's been a crazy two weeks. Let me sum it up like this. Man City is a fucking machine, and I just don't know if they're going to lose. No, they're not. Uh, Tottenham has had the craziest up-and-down week. They fucking (laughs) crushed Chelsea 3-1. Olivier Giroud with a bullshit goal, by the way, to make himself relevant. Okay, when Giroud scored his header, let me talk about the game real quick. Tottenham were up 2-0 in like 25 minutes. They made Chelsea look like Manchester United, which, goddamn, that is an insult if I've ever heard one. Um, Crushed them. When they were down 3-0, 
Giroud comes on, gets a garbage time goal, and the uh, it's a header, and the announcer says, "Quote, look at look at the meaty head of the Frenchman, <laughs> meaty head of the Frenchman." Uh. Uh, but uh, and then Tottenham followed up by losing four two against Arsenal in a nut a crazy North London derby. Well, you skip um, you skip the midweek. You skip the midweek in between. Huh? So I, I guess if we're just recapping Premier League, never mind. But. Tottenham's week was up, up midweek with that one nothing win over Inter. And yeah, then, no, I thought we would cover that in the okay. Champions League. That would make but sense. Yeah, it, was, it was up, up, and then crazy down. Uh, end up losing 4-2 to Arsenal in, a, in a, another... Tottenham have been involved in some really good games this season. <laughs> I will say that. You know, if, if you, if you want to watch entertaining games with a lot of drama, watch Tottenham games because they yeah. win big or they lose big, but they don't do anything boring. Um... Unfortunately, there was an asshole who decided to throw a fucking banana at Pierre, uh, Patrick Pierre, and M- 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 Mumbiag. Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang. There you go. Thank you. And first of all, to, it, to the guy who threw the banana, fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. You're a scumbag, and, I, and if it were up to me, you would never get to watch the sport, even on TV, for the rest of your life. You're a piece of shit. I mean, Tottenham did, so he was arrested, which was awesome. And Tottenham and has he's been, he's been banned, banned for life. Which and I, I would hope I haven't seen anything. I would hope the rest of the Premier League teams uh, ban you know ban him as well. That would be the really cool only story. thing you should be throwing on a fucking soccer field is a dildo because <laughs> I love watching the referee have to pick that shit up. I fucking love that. Yeah, and like this guy was also such a little piece of shit. He threw a banana peel. Not even the full banana. Didn't even give Pierre Emerick Aubameyang the opportunity to, to like be alpha as fuck like Danny Alves and, and, yes. and eat the banana because obviously even that itself isn't cool, right? The act of throwing the banana. But no. when when the player completely turns that around, it's like fuck you, you piece of shit. Face with a potassium boost. Uh, that 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 you know at least gives us a, a cool idea. But yeah, I you. Do- more dildos, no bananas, I think, is yes. kind of the rule of thumb here. Yeah. Um, and that's the official uh, stance of the Ungo podcast. Arsenal have... Uh, so Chelsea bounced back from that Tottenham loss with a 2-0 win against Fulham. Arsenal won both their games last two weeks. And honestly, outside of those five teams, Manchester United... Like, we only talk about... Like, at this stage of the season, we've really only been talking about either American players or top four potential teams... And Manu has neither of those, and so outside of the Champions League, I am no longer going to cover Manu in the Premier League. It's not something that I do with joy. It's something I do because that doesn't follow the mold of the way we cover I think, I think on the podcast. Fair. And obviously, we'll every now and then bring up interesting little tidbits um, as as it pertains to teams that don't fall in that that span things. So, like you know, in a month or two, when Zidane is announced as the the new manager, we'll definitely talk about it then. Yes. Uh, speaking of Americans in the Premier League, Newcastle, Newcastle have won three games in a row. Well, they did until this most recent weekend <laughs> where they lost. So they won three last four, which is good. Hey, they're, so, they're, and they're, Yedlin has started all three of those wins, by the way. And they're, 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 they've been playing solid defense in those wins as well, uh, which is yes. always good. You know, it, it's it would be concerning if they're winning, but winning like 3-2. Uh, fortunately, they're not giving up many goals. Unfortunately, they're still not scoring a lot of goals, but they're at least positioning them in a – at a, at a place to dig themselves out of a relegation hole they started out in. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, we got the the table here. City top at third. Uh, 
Ta- table not oh, updated. We didn't update table. Sweet. Cool. Let's jump right into the uh, the land of, of the tortellinis, as Donnie would say. Yeah, I'm switching the script on you. What? And um, we've got Serie coming in hot. Uh, interesting two weeks, unless you're a Juventus fan, in which case they just kept winning. So no surprise there. Um, but we had Milan Lazio right after the international break. And because I run point on our Serie A recaps, and I'm a unapologetic Milan fan, that's where I'm going to focus this this recap on. Uh, important to note that like six of Milan's starting eleven or preferred starting eleven are out injured, and going to a to an away game at Lazio down preferred six starters, not a good sign. Which was really. Im- actually made things worse when we went up one nothing and then just parked the bus and made zero so we played a game of like if you count include stoppage time of like 100 105 minutes and had zero substitutions and the team that made three substitutions ended up you know tying the game at the end because they had more legs than we did um so if you told me before the game hey milan lazzi are gonna draw i would have been like that's fucking dope because we will only be one point behind them for top four. But if you had told me that you're going to be up one nothing and then park the bus and then draw, it's just very disappointing to see. That being said, um, you know, Lazio dominated that first half. They really did. And they, they deserve points. Milan didn't deserve points, so I'll take whatever blessing I can get considering we're getting rammed hard by the injury dick. Yeah. Uh, but things bounced back in week two against Parma. Yeah, yeah, that was well. It was a concern considering went down one nothing uh, right before halftime, and was really concerned. But hot damn, a previous winner of hot guy of the week, Patrick Cutrone, had a saucy like over the shoulder turnaround volley off the post. To, uh, to, to draw even, and then I felt real dirty and had to take a shower, but Milan was gifted a VAR penalty, which they converted for the win. Yeah, he felt dirty like a pig rolling around in the mud, just fucking happy and giddy as fuck. I really did not enjoy it, but at the same time, I wasn't going to say no. Um, but, with so that, that was a, a, great, a great result. Roma Inter played on Sunday, uh, the late game, and that was an exciting 2-2 draw. Uh, Inter, you know, actually Roma dominated, I thought, most of the play, but Inter in classic Inter fashion just kind of, you know, grabbed goals with uh, very, very little uh, threat beforehand. You know, they, they kind of strike like a, like a snake, which is very dangerous, and uh, was really impressed with Roma. Singa's under had a fantastic banger which I think made up for his horrific miss against Barcelona in the Champions League. But you know, it was good to see Inter drop points there. And then uh, Lazio dropped points with a draw to Kiev Verona, which puts Milan at fourth place right now, which is, I think, massive. Uh, four points behind Inter in third. It's a really interesting table. Not so much at the top with Juventus on 43 points or 40 points. But you have Napoli at, uh, I think, 32, and then Inter at 27 or 28, Milan at 24, and Lazio at, at 23. 
So it's going to be a really fascinating race for, for top four. And Inter's not necessarily safe, although they most likely will be. And with that, I will transition us to a little bit of La Liga. So in the first week, the Real Madrid horror show continued when they got shit-pumped 3-0 by Ibar. But they bounced back to win against Valencia. Atletico Madrid tied both their games, 1-1 to Barca, and then 1-1 to Leganes, I think, after that. Sevilla got a huge win last week, uh, 1-0 against Real Valladolid, and then tied this week. So the table stands, 28 points Barca, 27 Sevilla, 25 Atletico, 24 Avales, 23 Real Madrid. But the crazy thing is, usually we criticize La Liga so much for being not not competitive league and top-heavy. The point difference between the first-place team and the 12th-place team is 10, only 10 points. And that is a this is a crazy year for La Liga, and it's actually really cool for once because it actually makes it interesting because it's not just a two horse race. So what you're telling me is when Ronaldo leaves, the entire league becomes much closer and competitive all around. Yes, and when Ronaldo leaves, do you know Real Madrid have lost five games this season? <laughs> Holy shit, five La Liga games they've lost. Yeah, that's but they're all, but they're only five points behind Barcelona somehow. Yeah. Also, how does Alaves have 24 points? What the fuck is happening there? I don't even know where that is. Also, leave, <laughs> it's leave, in Spain, buddy. Leave, leave it to La Liga to get really interesting the year that BN Sport no longer offers the online connect watch games to DirecTV subscribers, which is how I was watching it before bumming my parents' subscription. So thanks for getting interesting the year that I'm not able to watch your games for free. Fair enough. Fair criticism. Eric, do you want to wrap us up for domestic league action with the Bundesliga? Yeah, I mean, uh, big takeaways are that Dortmund just keep fucking winning. Holy hell. Um, great great to see. Dortmund's got a, what, seven-point lead, I think, on, on second place. And then I think two weeks ago, didn't Bayern drop? Uh, didn't they, they, like, gave up a two-goal lead? Yep, for a 3-3 tie, I think. Uh, for a 3-3 tie. And uh, Thomas Mueller afterwards just said, we don't know how to play in the second half, which is a horrible quote to have from one of your experienced leaders. Yeah. They, they, dude, Bayern is a shit show this year. They and did, am I they, loving it? They, they yes, re- I am. They did rebound with a win this week. But I, I honestly don't see where they're going to pick up the points that, they're, that they've been dropping to uh, – Borussia Dortmund. Which almost makes me think, like, I re- I hope Christian Pulisic leaves in no. the summer so he could get a Bundesliga He's going to leave in the winter, and then they're going to win, and we're not going to be able to celebrate a Pulisic uh, Bundesliga title because that would just be too sweet for Eric as a soccer fan. That's true. The curse is alive and real. Um, before we move on... Oh, also, I Bayern is nine points out of first. Holy shit. Nine points out of first, two points out of second. Damn, dude, that's that's kind of funny. Also, the top, the top, wow, five, four of the top five teams in the Bundesliga have an American on the roster. That's badass. Borussia Dortmund with Christian Pulisic, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Fabian Jansen, Fabian Johnson. I don't know who this Fabian Jansen guy is. <laughs> Sorry, RB Leipzig with the aforementioned Tyler Adam acquisition. 
Yes. And then in fifth, right behind uh, Bayern Munich, you have Eintracht Frankfurt with with my boy, Timmy Chandler. More like Timmy Big Booty Chandler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got a donk for days, dude. Him and Altidore have the biggest butts on the U.S. national team. That is 100% true. Uh, before we move on, I can't believe we did not address this sooner, but um, congratulations, Luka Modric, for winning the Ballon d'Or oh, yeah. and being the first player in a decade. The last time someone not named Ronaldo or Messi won the Ballon d'Or, I was like 15 years old just trying to get jerked off in the theater. I'm actually... So, there's a couple reasons that we forgot to mention this. One is I hate talking about awards because they're bullshit and therefore... I didn't remind you when we skipped over it. Uh, two, the last person not named Ronaldo or Messi to hoist the Ballon d'Or was an AC Milan, was a former AC Milan player. Kaká. So I really liked having <laughs> having that. And then thirdly, because I needed another reason, um, like the second or third podcast episode we did, I predicted that Mbappe would be the the first player not named Messi or Ronaldo to win the Ballon d'Or. I, I had a vote. I would have voted him. I really think I. I was I was anticipating having one or two more years where it would go to Messi and Ronaldo, and then it would be a shoe in for Mbappe. Uh, you and I both agree. I agree with you right there that if I had a vote, it would have been Mbappe. My second pick would have been Modric with Ronaldo in third. I think we differ there. Yeah, I just flip them. I have Ronaldo second, Modric in third. My reasoning being that look at Real Madrid without Ronaldo. Yeah. And that's 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 literally the only reason why I have him second. I, I think all three of those players would be deserving of the award. Yes. Uh, no qualms with Modric getting it. A lot of, like, internet idiots on the, the soccer mini reddits are freaking out about how the World Cup performance is weighted too heavily and it's not fair to... Players like you know Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, for example, not that he's in, comp- in, in you know, not that he could really compete for the award, but a player like him who's not in a country that can compete in the World Cup is at a disadvantage. And my 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 response is like fucking deal with it. You have the three other years for those guys to compete for the world. The award, I think the World Cup is the most important competition in the sport. And if you choose that time to play your best performance, then I'm damn well going to reward you for that. Yeah. Uh, not to mention that. Also, Messi got fifth. Yeah. Also, how did Mbappe get fourth? That bothers me. Yeah. Because Griezmann got third. What's funny is is everybody looking at the, uh, the results and being like, Messi got fifth. Clearly, this award is a sham. And I love how you and I are looking at Mbappe got fourth. This is this is bullshit. Like, but you know what the most be- you know the best part about this award? <laughs> Last year, Neymar finished third. Since own goal podcast started, he has now finished twelfth. That means there. Are, that means people voted. A, Conte finished ahead of Neymar. Varane, they picked a center back and <laughs> Neymar. <laughs> you know, back. I think he has to piss Neymar off the most. A fellow attacking player, striker finished ahead of him and that player was an Englishman by the name of Ari Kane you know he's got to look at Harry Kane being like who the fuck is this guy that he's he finished ahead of me well I mean that guy took his team farther in the World Cup than Neymar could I know also also Neymar's teammate Mbappe finished fourth and Neymar finished 12th 
Apparently, instead of he he declined his invite to the ceremony and instead was live streaming playing Call of Duty with Marquinhos and Thiago Silva. There's nothing about that that's that's that surprises me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm gonna just go ahead and say it now. Uh, Mbappe will win the award next year. He has to. Barring Especially if PSG makes a Champions League run. Barring unforeseen. No, don't even say that word. Don't say it. Don't even think that word. Not for him. Yeah, what if... No. He, what if, what if what Were if you going to say the I word? No. Okay. I literally hope Mbappe never has a major I word in his entire career. Yeah. Because he's... Because like... He's... It would be cheating fans of something amazing to watch. It would literally be cheating the world and I would no longer believe in God should he ever get a long-term I-word. All right. Uh, should we jump into the Champions League? Absolutely. Um, we'll go to Group A where Atletico Madrid just kind of hurt Monaco 2-0 and then Dortmund and Club Bruges tied. So the way that group looks going into the final day is that Atletico and Dortmund have already qualified. Atletico two points ahead. So it looks like they'll probably finish um, Yeah. First in the group, Dortmund progressing second in the group. Yeah. Now we're getting to the two really exciting groups, Group B and C. So Tottenham got a late winner against Inter to tie them on points. Barcelona already threw first, and now going into the last match day, that second spot is up for grabs. Tottenham and Inter both tied for points. Unfortunately, Tottenham has to play Barcelona at the Camp Nou, and Inter gets to play PSV, so you got to like Inter's chances there. The one thing I did read is that Barcelona is entertaining the idea of rotating their squad to get some of their younger guys some Champions League experience considering they're already guaranteed for top of the group. Okay, so that that would be huge for Tottenham. Although I still think the Barcelona rotation squad is going to be more competitive than PSV Eindhoven. Yes. So probably Inter's going to go through, but you never know. Uh, PSV could, could put on a defensive showcase draw 0-0, zero, zero, and at that point, all Tottenham would have to do is, is draw, and they'd get through. Yeah, true. I mean, it's going to be an interesting last this, day there. That's one of the inter- interesting groups. This next group is incredibly interesting because no, I don't think – nobody's technically guaranteed yet. Nope. So I'll go talk. PSG-Liverpool, what a game that was. PSG – dominated the first half. They could have been up three, four goals. Neymar, base, or Mbappe basically made both of the goals. He won't get credited for the assist, but he had a huge role to play in them. And then Liverpool get a penalty late in the end, and that changes the momentum in the second half more towards Liverpool. But PSG hang on, win 2-1. I fucking loved it. And then Napoli and Don Carlo put the hurt on Red Star Putin. Yeah. Which, that was a foregone conclusion. The only thing guaranteed right now is that Red Star Putin will not advance. They are eliminated. But Napoli's... I'd like to... I will say this. I think PSG, because their last game is against Red Star Putin, I think PSG, I would bet my life PSG advances. I would agree. um, But, like, you technically never know. But, yes. I think PSG are through, which really then brings it down to Napoli-Liverpool, which is also fascinating because Liverpool could beat Napoli, but only... Well, they beat them by one goal. Napoli goes through. That would draw them level on point dif- on, on goal differential. 
Yeah. And, and so I don't know what the next tiebreaker is. It goes for. Yeah. Then that would have to put Liverpool through. Oh, shit, you're right. Yeah. So, but if Napoli gets the... I, I hate when a team knows that a draw is good enough because that just changes the way they play, never for the better. My, my one kind of take there is Don Carlo has literally seen it all and coached it all. And if True. There's, if there's one manager I would trust to be able to get more than, you know, to, to overcome that mentality, I'm going to trust in Don Carlo. Also, in that first, in the first meeting in Nap in Italy, remember that they, Liverpool didn't have like, well, they had maybe zero or one shots on target. Like their attack was completely stifled. Yeah. So that's going to be a hell of a game because that's basically a play-in for the knockout round. And God willing, if you're listening out there, soccer Jesus, a.k.a. Uh, Fat Ronaldo, a.k.a. Jan Cruyff, all the soccer Jesuses, please listen. Please send Liverpool out of the, of the knockout stage, please. That would just make me the happiest, happiest boy. So you're praying for a Liverpool exit. I'm playing for an Inter exit. I think yours is a little more likely than mine. Because I think yours is more. I, I, I think Barcelona's B squad will beat Tottenham. Which would get Inter through. Oh, 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 yes. Oh, now yeah. I see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, moving on to Group B, uh, the riot. I just, the shock of the group stage. Lost to the to the Putin train, a.k.a. Locomotive Moscow 2-0. And that, and uh, Porto that, that, beat, that, that, that finished their chances. Yep. Porto beat Schalke 3-1, which was not so good. But kind of doesn't matter because both Porto and Schalke have already been assured to go um, into the knockout round in that order. Porto won, Schalke second. Yeah, the Galatasaray loss uh, guaranteed that Schalke, even with that loss, were going through. So, hey, two Americans in the knockout round, which is pretty dope. Actually, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we had three Americans in the competition and two go through. Yep. And... One of those is got knocked out by the other. Uh, Ethan Horvath and Club Rouge knocked out by Pulisic and uh, Dortmund. That's wrong to pair it like that. I know. Um, moving on to Group E, where Bayern and Ajax will go through in that order. Bayern beat the fuck out of Benfica 5-1, really bordering a fuck fest at that point. Yeah, I think you could call it a Dusseldorf if you wanted to. Um, a lot of the old men of Bayern rerun the clock. Arjan Robin with a brace with the left foot. Frank Wigger got a goal, and that Polish fraud Lewandowski had a couple too. Yeah, he uh, somebody performed the Heimlich maneuver on Lewandowski, and he was able to breathe without choking. <laughs> and uh, I am thanks to Dusan Tadic had a brace, so uh, Bayern will go one, Ajax oh, will go two, and the quick, group. Quick note: Quick note: oh, yeah. Dusan Tadic was my candidate for hot guy of the week until I looked him up and realized that he is not hot. So, this is really cool in this next group. Lyon have done what no team has, the other team has done this season. And they did it twice, I believe, because they scored, they've scored two goals against Manchester City both times. Yeah, well, they beat Manchester City, and then they they drew Manchester City 2-2. Yeah. Which is uh, fantastic. So, yeah. And then in the other game in that group, uh, Shakhtar Dunesk in a five-goal thriller came out on top against Hoffenheim. So when you look at the table, you have Man City through at one. Leon will be, uh, Leon may not may or may not be through at two. Man City for sure will be through. 
I guess it's theoretically possible Leon makes up the eight goal differential between them and City, but I think for all intents and purposes, City is probably finishing top of the group with either Leon or Shakhtar. I think they're playing each other that last. That's game. what I'm looking right now to uh, to confirm. Yeah, that final group stage, it's uh, Leon at Shakhtar Donetsk. So that's kind of exciting that we have two playing games, kind of. Yeah. That'll be yeah. And that'll then, be in uh, and that that'll be another interesting. A situation where a draw is enough to get Leon through, but playing at Shakhtar, I think if they don't come out for the win, they could could slip up. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Group G, Real Madrid took care of business in the Champions League against Roma. Their Champions League form has been much, much better than their La Liga form. And then Victoria Pleasant beat CSKA Putin 2-1. But that table's kind of already set. It looks like Real Madrid going one, absolutely, and AS Roma two. Uh, I, once again, it's possible that Roma could make up the six-point goal differential and go first, go. but not really. They're not going to. Yeah. They would need Real Madrid to lose, which definitely is possible in today's round. What's really kind of interesting is that with one game to go, 12 of the 16 teams have, 12 of 16 teams have already uh, guaranteed their spot in the knockout round. Yeah, and speaking of teams guaranteed the knockout round, the final group, Group H, we have uh, two groups that are already through, uh, two teams already through. Juventus, um, not guaranteed top of the group yet, but that would be my odds-on pick, seeing as they're going up against Young Boys. And then, yeah, and let me tell you, the Young Boys have been worked harder than a workout session with you, Eric. And then Manchester United in, in Valencia, and uh, there's a five-point differential, uh, which you know is what sees Manchester United through the group. Pretty fortunate for them. I, I don't know if I would have liked their form going into this game if it was a winner-take-all. Oh, I would not have liked it, but, man, we're playing that young boys game at Old Trafford. Nothing's working. I'm sitting there. I'm losing my mind. I'm so fucking pissed because I know Juventus is going to be Valencia, and I don't want that. I don't want to have to play in, have a playing game with Valencia. And then the Afro king himself, Aron <laughs> Fellaini, with that beautiful buzz cut of his, gets a... What a goal he scored, by the I, way. I Off would, the chest, turn, perfect to the bottom. I would what like a to, perfect shot. I would like to point out, the uh, we were texting about the lineups before the game, and you and I both independently said the one change we would definitely make would be a different player in for Fellaini. And lo and behold, that's of, of course, that's the guy that... Fellaini is like Mourinho's Batman. Like, he's his hero. He's not the one he deserves, but he's the one that he needs. Hey, listen, he got us through. The only reason I can talk about Manchester United on this podcast now is if something stupid happens or the Champions League. So thank you, Fellaini, for getting us through. We're in the round of 16. Well, probably we're for sure losing in the round of 16. It would blow my mind if we made it to the quarterfinals. But <laughs> and I, I will say, when that goal scored and Mourinho lifts up all the water bottles and just slams them on the ground, a fucking, I fucking love Josie Mourinho in the Champions League. That, that video of that, that celebration... If, if that even was a celebration, was hilarious, frightening, and flat-out confusing. It was literally the essence of Jose Mourinho. That's the thing, man. It's like, I get, like, results-wise, it's just not there. But it's hard for me not to cheer for a guy like Jose Mourinho because he's so eccentric. And if you look at his resume, I mean, it's all there. His resume speaks for itself. You can't say he's a bad coach. I think Manu is just a... Man, you might be a really shitty team to coach. 
Like poster Alex, that might be one of the worst jobs in sports. You know, I'm actually glad that, that that's the angle you want to take this because uh, do you know what time it is, Donnie? Mailbag for douchebags. It's mail time. Um, I had to actually do that intro because in our first mailbag for douchebags question, uh, super fan of the pod, Nick Foster, queued up it's mail time before his question. So, Nick, that one was for you, buddy. Uh, his, the title of this is Worst Job. Is the Real Madrid manager job the toughest job in professional sports? Uh, Lopetegui had a bad start to the season, could have been sacked but still could have been sacked with a few more wins. Even Zidane was under some pressure last year after winning back-to-back UCLs. Can you think of anything in other sports that compares? Um, I mean, I think Manchester United poster Alex is one of the hardest jobs because, like, the expectation is you're going to rack up Premier Leagues and then go always make a deep run in the Champions League. And so the expectations and the reality are just a mile apart. Um, in terms of other sports, I don't really have another sport parallel just because I don't either. Other sports are not so, um, like immediate result driven. Yeah. I mean, we just saw Mike McCarthy for the, the Packers be fired and so many people are sticking up for him about he did such a great job when the reality is his last Super Bowl victory was eight years ago. And you just wouldn't see that at a you know top level position in, in European soccer. I have a different ca- uh, candidate for worst job, and it's within the realm of European soccer. Let me see. take you through a list of Premier League winning managers for Chelsea. Carlo Ancelotti fired next season. Jose Mourinho fired the next season. Antonio Conte fired the next season. What the fuck is going on there? Not to mention when they when uh, what's his face who won the championship with them? It was a uh, uh, Zoloff or uh, who was it? Zoloff is definitely like a villain, a Marvel movie villain. <laughs> but uh, sure, man. No, it was a Dino. Uh, who fucking won- who was the Chelsea manager who won the Champions League? Uh, this brief intermission is brought. G- to you. Mateo, this, Mateo. this brief intermission is brought to you by Google, which is a great place to get all your answers. Di Matteo, he yeah. won the Champions League with them, but he always already knew he wasn't going to have a job <laughs> after that, and he won the Champions League. Roman Abramovich is literally the worst fucking owner because what happens is he brings in a well, manager. It's because he's buddy buddy with Putin it too. It really, really is. He brings in a manager. The manager does a good job, and the fans immediately love the manager more than anybody else. You know, that's not a player at the club. And that's when Abramovich is like, wait a minute, this is my club. I want all the love. Give me the love. So then he starts like, like seeding doubt and leaking stories about his manager that inevitably turns the, the team and the fans against the manager and everything just spirals. It's, a, it's an amazing character study. It's fascinating. But that's my take for worst, worst job in soccer. Yeah, true. Uh, actually, you know what? No, you know what? I'm changing my mind. Worst job in soccer is the goalkeeper of Real Madrid because you can win back-to-back-to-back Champions League and you still get canned for Courtois, who lets up like three goals every La Liga game. Yeah, he had a quote, uh, not Courtois, uh, Kaylor Navas had a quote this week saying, I won back-to-back-to-back Champions Leagues and now I don't play. God, you got to feel for that guy, man. Fucking brutal. 
Uh, talk, about, talk about an immigrant taking somebody's job. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, we have uh, another question. Uh, inquiries from a fan. This one's from uh, pod friend Matt. And he's got five questions. First one is a little self-serving. How much longer will Tottenham fan Tottenham give its fans, yours truly included, hope before it goes down to an exceptional mediocrity it is known for after a stellar win against Chelsea? Well, he sent us this question uh, before the Arsenal game. Real prescient uh, question, Matt, and I, I feel pretty confident in saying that post exceptional win against Chelsea, Tottenham will uh, will have one fantastic win in the uh, Champions League. And then come crashing down in a uh, a London derby. I think I think Tottenham will finish in the top four. Yeah, and I think unless you move on from Pochettino to a higher level manager, I don't think Tottenham's going to do any better than the top four. I think two things are needed. Actually, I think one thing is two things are needed. You need to finish top four this season, which is not a given, but I think likely. And you need to invest in your squad. You cannot have another transfer window where you have no investment. Getting a player back from injury or loan does not count. Uh, I don't necessarily think Pochettino has to be replaced. But could you imagine if, if, if somehow, out of the blue, Zidane ends up at Tottenham? Dude, that would be a crew. Yeah. Oh, that would be that would be terrifying. Please come to menu. <laughs> I know, like like it's been reported of like meetings with Zidane with the United office in London, but you know what else is in London? Tottenham, baby. Yeah. Also Chelsea. Also Fulham. Also Crystal Palace. Yeah. Also West Ham. We there's could like really 20, be here all day. There's like twenty teams, but um, um, like in America, imagine there being like said like i think there's six premier league teams in london fulham if you count fulham there's like six but imagine there being like six nfl teams in like in new york but there's also there's also so many you know championship teams too in london and so it's like six nfl teams in new york with the potential of next season there being 10 yeah like what Uh, that's crazy um matt has a couple other questions uh who is your next big thing to come out of the irritability because Ajax is filled with talent, and I'm glad you pulled oh, yeah. that because I think both of our answers are actually from Ajax. Oh, yeah. Here's, here's the thing. I would love it if one day I was able to literally spend all my time watching soccer all over the, the, the globe uh, so I could watch more uh, Eredivisie and no, no players outside of Ajax, but unfortunately we have to have paying jobs, and so I can't do that. My, my pick, and I think you were pretty high on this guy as well, I'm really not sure how to pronounce his name, but it's uh, it's Mathis De Ligt. Ligt, yeah, yeah. He's a uh, he's a 19 year old center back, and yeah, I knew he was going to be a teenager. I mean, You're sick, he's, Eric. He's it's Ajax. They're all fucking teenagers. I can't help that. Uh, no wonder you just texted me the other day. Hey, like, when are we going to do a trip to the Netherlands? Now I see why. <laughs> I did not say that, but okay. Um, <laughs> uh, he was the second youngest goal scorer ever for Ajax's senior team behind Clarence Seedorf, which is a you know a name close to many Milan fans. And he's just one of the top young center backs being linked with all the you know classic superpower teams right now. So yeah, obviously my choice from Ajax, twenty-one-year-old Donny Van de Beek. He's a uh, the, it's no, it's not because we both have the same name. 
But uh, I'm sure. A, yeah, nobody was thinking that. He's a six foot, proper box to box midfielder, like defends attacks. In his in his in 34 games in the league last year, he put in 11 goals as a box to box midfielder. That's pretty impressive. That's I mean that's more than Tony Cruz scores. That's more than Paul Pogba scores. That's more than Luka Modric scores. Other box to box midfielders, he out. I mean, yeah, it's in a little bit of a softer league. I'll give you that, but like he can only play who's in front of him. Yeah. No, that's a good pick. I mean, there's, there's and he's been linked with Bayern and Barcelona, and uh, he's going to be, a, I think, a really solid midfield player. As crazy as there are, there are a couple more choices that you could pick too from that from the IX team. Yeah, did the IX? I mean, so so many play. They've pumped out so many good players. It's fantastic. Uh, if you were in charge of Man United's transfer window, what would you do in January? I, I've alluded to this several <laughs> times. I would sell every player not named David de Gea and Luke Shaw. I, I would also keep Jesse Lingard and Marcus Rashford because they came from the youth team. That's funny. I have a similar uh, strategy. But I would sell all those players, and I would use all of that money to buy Mbappe, <laughs> all that combined money for Mbappe, and then, so that's, I get to get to me five players. I have my attack set up with Lingard, Mbappe, Rashford, and I have to hit Luke Shaw, I have five players, and then I would just promote six players from the youth team and just say, go play soccer. That's what I would do. Uh, I have a similar strategy, but it's more targeted. I would sell Ander Herrera and Marcus Rashford or Anthony Martial if you want to keep Rashford to AC Milan because that's really my goal is to strengthen that that crew. I think <laughs> you're a scumbag. I think I think I'm gonna do the, the Derek Jeter move and take over the Florida Marlins and then and then trade my best player to the Yankees. Um, I think I'd sell Alexis Sanchez immediately. I would bring in somebody that could play right back because you can't have Ashley Young as a starting right back and win games. And I, I, I would, I would, I don't know. You're kind of locked in with Lukaku because you're not gonna be able to sell him for for what you bought him for. But that's not working. Yeah, but I think I think like Mbappe would oh, make. I would. I would sell Matic. I would package a deal. That includes like Pogba, Alexi Sanchez, and Lukaku, all for and like and two hundred million dollars, all for Mbappe. If if I'm stuck with Jose Mourinho, then I think I have to get rid of Pogba because I don't think they can have a symbiotic relationship. No, and uh, so yeah, I think think about that. Pogba as the you know big marquee French player, package him in a deal for Mbappe. That's what I would, dude. Are you kidding me? Mbappe, he he's the player Manchester United needs but doesn't deserve right no, now. No. Um, who's <laughs> he's the one, so good? Who's the, and that tees us up for who's the one player you think could fix Real Madrid? Mbappe. <laughs> My answer is Ronaldo because if they still had him, they wouldn't be. It was that saying if it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It wasn't broke when they had him, so that's my pick. <laughs> and yeah. then what is to blame for Bayern's bad season? Their wings, Ribery and Robin, are 250 years old. I have one specific person who's actually to blame, and it's along that same line, and it's father time. Yes. Yeah. And that's it for Mailbag for Douchebags. We had a bit of a long episode. Appreciate you guys uh, sticking with us. The, those I promise do. I will do a better job of making sure we record more regularly. We've been out of it for a few weeks, and that's on me. And I apologize. I will do a better job of rounding up Eric. That's where I <laughs> yeah, failed. That, because it was definitely all my fault. 
Uh, <laughs> please throw us some some follows on you know at at the Twitter. We are at uh, Ungo Podcast. And, and and follows that are not from porn bots <laughs> yeah, would be greatly appreciated. We got a, we got a porn bot follow. So I don't have to send pictures to Eric of some like some girl getting railed in the middle of the work day. Yeah, I really didn't appreciate you not giving me the uh, not safe for work tag there. Do you not have your own office where no. like there nobody can see behind you, or can someone be behind my, you? My the, the front door is behind my my desk. Um. um but it's cool. Uh, send us your questions or. We haven't had any suggestions to aptitude to test. If you don't like the segment, don't tell us because I'm going to keep doing it regardless. But you can shoot us uh, at the Facebook group. You can also reach out to us, uh, owngoalpodcast at gmail.com. Um, actually, I take that back. You can reach us at owngoalpod at gmail.com. And please send this, uh, this pod to any of your friends who either like soccer or are soccer curious. Yeah. I would love to convert a couple of soccer curious guys, no doubt. Or soccer curious girls. We're open. Yeah, soccer curious girls too. Um, and with that, bye. bye. Give it my all, gonna make you fall, gonna suck it to you. That's right, I'm the last one.